Hello and welcome to 500 Seconds to Joy. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today I'm interviewing Paige Rain. And Paige wrote, um, she actually co-authored this book with Victoria Durstock. And this is a great book, Revived and Renovated. And it is inspired by her time on HGTV. And this book, Revived and Renovated, the subtitle is Real Life Conversation on the Intersection of Home, Faith, and everything in between. So she talks about the parallel between the renovating that happens in our house, in our home, and then also the renovation of our soul. You know, our our story of being broken to then being restored. And she has an incredible story. Um, so I think you're going to really enjoy this episode. And you can win a copy of her book. You can win a copy of Revived and Renovated if you go to bit.ly forward slash revived and renovated that's b-i-t dot l-y forward slash r-e-v-i-v-e-d a-n-d r-e-n-o-v-a-t-e-d that's a mouthful I know so the link's in the show notes to get that and you can win a copy of her book I will announce the winner of this book giveaway on Friday July 1st 2022 and spoiler alert, that's going to be my last newsletter as well. So make sure you go to bit.ly forward slash monthly happy mail and you're going to learn about why it's my last monthly newsletter for a little while. So without further ado, let us hear from Paige and get inspired to revive and renovate not only our home, but our hearts. Welcome to the podcast, Paige. Happy to have you here. I'm delighted to be here, Stephanie. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. And it's just so fun getting to know you and chatting with you. And so you have this book that you've co-authored, Revived and Renovated, Real Life Conversations on the Intersection of Home, Faith, and Everything in Between. So tell us about this book. Um, What can readers expect and let's get a bird's eye view of, of where this idea came from of being revived and renovated. Well, this book is a gift in my life, the opportunity to write this book, because it puts together two pieces of my life that needed to come together, uh, which is my work and my, my, my trade, which is interior design, and then my, my walk of faith. And, and really, I'm only able to show up as a designer or to use my creative talents because you know, I met the Lord and he, you know, restored me and revived me and renovated me in so many different ways that I was able to kind of be of service and use that. But, uh, you know, Victoria Dursak, who's a friend of mine, approached me and said, listen, I, I think we should talk, write a book about the duality or the two different lives that women leave. We have our walk as our as a homemaker or as whether you, whether you work inside the home or outside the home, the home matters, right? The home matters the way it looks, mm-hmm. how we can make it and have it best serve us, our families, how it reflects us, how we reflect it ourselves in the home. And then the work we have with God and, and and everybody's in a different place on this journey. There's people that have been walking with God very, very closely their whole lives. There's people that have a desire to come to God later in life as, as that was the case with me. And so there, these two journeys or these two domains are, are really similar. I mean, even the language, the book is really focused on the language of these two journeys. So when we restore an old piece of furniture, uh, there's a process. When we are restored by the love of God, we are. It, it's a similar process, and there's so many parallels. And so the book is is a conversation between two friends, Victoria and I, as we discuss 
both domains, as we discuss restoration in an old home, as we discuss recovering an old chair, as I discuss my personal journey in recovery. So we play on the words and we really invite women to consider both, that they're not all that different or separate and that both are both are essential for life and really in just encouraging women in, you know, to revel in both and to discuss both with, with friends. Mm-hmm. I love it. So this idea of speak, uh, seeking this spiritual revival, you know, it relates to our home and you have these metaphors that you offer of, you know, reviving this old chair or desk. Um, and you know, how can us moms look around our home and, and see all the, you know, the visual things that we see, right. And maybe we want to restore some part of our home. Maybe there's a wall that needs to be painted, or like I said, or you said the desk um, that needs to be revived and renovated. Um, How can we look at all these things that are physical in our life and then, then look inward and, and see inside our soul, inside our heart, like this spiritual revival that's needed because God is calling us into this constant conversion process every day. And he wants to revive us. He wants to take what is broken or dead inside and revive us. I mean, we're, we're in the season of Lent right now. So that's what it's all about. He, he dies and he rises So let's talk about this spiritual revival each day for the moms listening. What what does this look like in your life? What are some just kind of practical, tangible things moms can can hold on to? And how can we use the metaphor of the home in this? Well, that's a that's a great question. And I I, I, gosh, I could talk for hours about it, but I'll I'll be as brief as I can in in just saying, first of all, both journeys are long and they're Mm. I think they're meant to be slow. And I think we can be very impatient with the state of our homes. I think we can be very impatient with ourselves and where we are spiritually or that that we struggle with different sins or character defects or what have you. And both journeys require patience. And I think we can be looking for the connection. So there's a very big temptation from the world to see all the defects and imperfections of our home. This wall is not painted. This is cluttered. This furniture is old. This is dated. Da, 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 and kind of get into a litany of criticism about the home and then attack it as if the pieces, the walls and the furniture, all that mattered. In reality, it's the people in the home that matter the most. And so mm-hmm. if I could net out a piece of advice to connect that home journey with the journey of the soul is to Um, begin to really focus on the relationships in the home and what improvements will best serve the relationships, what improvements best serve the marriage, what improvements best serve the connection with the kids, what improvements best serve your season, right? And this is very counterculture because we are told the home is the greatest asset. You have to blow it out and do the kitchen and so on and so forth. But in my experience with four children, and as as I told you before, my youngest is eight, and so I, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm not in the baby trenches, but I'm in the school, school trenches and the, mm-hmm. and the, and the teenage, soon to be the teenage trenches. I'm about to have it's my second teenager. And I think each season is very different. So number one, take it slow. Number two, be, be led by relationships. And number three, just, just really accept and be guided by your season. It's so hard because you know, we're young or we may be single or we may be newly married and we can have our house exactly the way we want it. And now we have babies on the floor and the floor is ne- cannot 
look exactly exactly the way it did or the way you might want it. And but it's similar. I have now, you know, teenage boys in my in my family room, you know, and in the room that's ended, it's not exactly the way I want it, but it's relationship led. I've let them guide me and lead me, even as a designer mm -hmm. to, to 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 sort of die to self as the designer and say, okay, what do I need so that my home is a place for these teenage boys? Um, and that my season, by the way, which is not forever, is to have kids in my house watching, you know, NFL on a Sunday or something like that. Um, and, you know, in this season, it's NCAA March Madness, you know, Lent Madness. And yeah. so I, I, I think it, it, it's hard, but I think um, uh, to want, we may need to shut the world out a little bit, Stephanie. And that's, and again, now I'm giving way more advice than you ever asked, but. No, the, please do. I love I, it. I think one of the reasons I wrote this book is because house media, design media, it doesn't have a lot of God in it. It's very materialistic. Right. It's very judgmental. It's very much a product of, you know, people trying to sell lots of things, right? So nothing you have is right once you look at design media because they everybody's selling something. And I think we can go to and get ideas from Pinterest and Instagram. And God knows I love a good design magazine. But I think we have to be grounded in our relationships and our season and really confident in our moment and our goals for the moment. Or else we're like, oh my gosh, I need everything new. <laughs> I need so true. everything wow. new You're right. right now. And you don't. Mm. You don't. Um, That's like I our faith that, life. Wow. That is so beautiful, Paige. Oh, well, <laughs> thank you. I, I, Gosh, I, I could go on and on. But it, but there is, I think we, I have come to this honestly, Stephanie, because I have been in that stage. And when I, when I had little kids, I wanted all new pillows and all new blankets and all new furniture. And I wanted so many new things. And I really wanted things to just look and be so much better. And I wanted to be more peaceful and happy as a mom. And I wanted to work more, but also work less. And like, <laughs> just a constant uh, sense of preaching the choir here. Wow. Right? That, yes, those are the exact things I feel. And I bet the listeners are nodding their heads too. Well, it truly is the hidden life, you know, mm -hmm. a mother of young children, even if you choose to work outside the home, there's a real sense of the hidden life that maybe goes on when you're not there. And then you go home to the hidden life where you have been maybe in an office or a work environment. And, but, but, so what do you need? And it really shifts the perspective of perhaps the visitor and maybe what will the visitor think or what will my neighbor or my mother-in-law say or think to what do I need for this little family I'm growing um, in this precious little stage? Um, which is not forever. What do we need for harmony, peace, and connection? And it sounds airy-fairy, but it actually leads to a different kind of beauty. Um, I'm not saying at all, well, just leave it and just get some stuff at the yard sale and phone it in until they're older. Uh-uh, I'm not saying that. I'm actually just saying you're, you'll be directed differently than what the world says, which is to get everything new and put the kids' stuff in the closet. And if you just organize well enough, you don't have to look at it. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I do know what you mean. I, yeah, there's this, and I think it's like our faith life too. There's this tendency to want it to look perfect. And I think that can be kind of a pitfall of being um, a writer, a speaker, a podcaster. It can seem, and in social media in general, it can seem like someone like me who talks about joy and presence and being off my phone and being intentional has it all figured out and that I have this, you know, maybe perfect joy-filled life that's just so idyllic. And maybe people think that about you, like, well, she doesn't understand because she's a designer. So she has, you know, all this knowledge and her home's probably perfect and beautiful. So, you know, she doesn't understand my struggle, but I think we'd both say that, no, neither of us have it all figured out and no one 
has it perfect. Like even if your home looks beautiful from the outside, like you said, there's always these nitpicky things that you could change, right? Even if it looks like you have your spiritual life dialed in, you're reading your Bible, you know, you're going to mass, whatever it is, we're still all needing to be refined. And like your book says, revived and restored. And who can do that? Not us, Jesus. So mm-hmm. I think there's this tendency to focus on the perfection of a home or the perfection of our souls. And, you know, if you read the lives of the saints, yes, they were seeking perfection. And I believe we are meant to try to be perfect. It does say that in the Bible. But it's not our like human version of perfect. <laughs> it's God's version. And and I believe God's version is the one where we just submit everything to him and allow him to work in us and through us and and slowly. I love that you said that. And I want to repeat the three things you said, which um, I wrote down. Take it slow, be led by relationships, and then accept and be guided by your season. That is so good. That applies to the improvements in our home and the improvements in our soul. I just love that page. Anything else you want to add on? Just that I just want to affirm for everybody that the seasons change really quickly. And I would go to this Bible study at my church, actually, when I was just sort of beginning my spiritual journey. And I would hear these moms talking about reading scripture or praying in the morning. And I thought, what? Like, I have babies and I I, 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 I can't give up one moment of sleep. And now I'm at a stage where I'm up before everybody, literally hours before, and I crave that time. And I have to wake my big kids up for school. And it's just, <laughs> it's just different. And, I, I, you know, it's just, a, you know, the seasons shift in the blink of an eye. Um, and mm-hmm. I think it really, like you said, God is does ask a lot from us. I really, truly believe that. I believe God asks us. Um, but, but his version of perfect, we can't even know it. We, we can't even know it. If anything, he mm-hmm. wants us to keep showing up over and over again and again and again and again. And again, I think it's just that disconnecting from the world's view of the perfect home, because you can have a perfect image on Instagram, but nothing inside the home is um, happy, joyous, free, loving. You know, there's no guarantee with 2D beauty to get sort of the beauty that Jesus asks us to strive for. And I think that's even another point that we have to train our eyes to see um, beauty the way the, the, the church and with the way Christ asks us to, which is it has so many more colors and, and dimensions than the way sort of a secular design media might define beauty, which by the way, is also shifting sands. And that's one of the other things that I think people struggle with. What is in, what is dated, what is not? Well, if you get into that, you could look all day and get a thousand different answers. Um, there's no consensus whatsoever. I follow so many different design designers and design and product makers and makers and creative people across the world. And, and thanks to our global economy, we can have access to that visually, but you can rest in the fact that it is up to you to define the beauty of your home. Um, and I think God is our greatest guide in that because again and again, he will lead us to your loved ones and your vocation and the work that we do in the home. So if if it's up to the magazine, well, the kitchen that's completely clean is for beauty. But I, I have, I want to cook my family a meal. Sometimes I do it three, four, five times a day. Yeah, sometimes my boys eat two dinners. So if I can only mm-hmm. look for beauty of a clean kitchen that's never with no dirty pot, I'm going to be awfully unhappy. You know, that's so um, true. And anything <laughs> practical in terms of, you know, as a designer, 
anything practical in terms of like corralling all the kids stuff, like somehow making it look beautiful, like having it out in the living room or in the playroom, like just any little, that just kind of came to me, like while we have you here, you're a designer. And so you do follow these people. You do have all this experience with making things look visually appealing. So how can we, you know, kind of be inspired by the beauty we see on Pinterest or on Instagram or wherever, but then make it serve us, like still have all those kid things out, but find a way to make it look beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think visual clutter is hard for all of us. I mean, we all Mm. struggle when there's just even too many beautiful things. And I think looking back, I have three sons and a daughter. And if I could do things over, I would have an empty playroom with balls in it. And that's it. Like the boys, Mm. I can speak for boys really like space. So I had so many clever bins of Lincoln logs and Legos and so forth. At the end of the day, they would have preferred to have the space where they could wrestle and, and, and run. Um, and so if I could go back, I would have had probably a third of the toys and I probably would have kept, kept most in the closet and done like a one at a time kind of a thing and fussed mm-hmm. much less, less over the organization because it also created a lot of heartache that they weren't keeping it up. Well, they weren't really developmentally able to <laughs> the way other people's yeah. kids seem to on Instagram, but then it was another expectation I'm putting on them. And I learned as a mom, I need to remove occasions, occasions of, I don't know if I say occasions of sin, but occasions where I'm, I'm, I'm having conflict, remove it, mm. you know? And so if I have one toy and they can put it away, well, maybe that's all we have for right now. Um, and that might sound a little miserly, but the truth is kids can really only play with one thing at a time. And even my daughter who loves lots and lots and lots and lots of dolls, and she's got so many things, there's still like, we have a system where I, I, we have to have a system where, where, where there is something she can understand in terms of putting away the bins to put things away are on the floor. They're really easy to use, even though that she's eight, her hands are bigger, but it's a system where she really understands the system and she likes it. In fact, she got a, hand, a hold of my label maker and made these hilarious nice. labels with her, her seven-year-old spelling for horses and Barbies and so forth. And I just think that it has to work for them. The organizational system can't just appeal to us visually. We may love it in the container store, but it has to work for the child. And there are some kids that are very, very organized and tidy and kind of minimalist. And I have one of those. And then there's kids that are just all over the place and they're never going to put anything away. And they're like an inventor in the making and they're putting Legos and dirt in a pile and setting it on fire. And like at the end of the day, (laughs) that that may be who they are. That's not a failure of, uh, you know, of of parenting that that may be who they are. Um, So I think it's a lot of acceptance and, um, but at the the biggest, if there is a practical piece, it's ha- having less, um, less mm-hmm. out, less around. Um, it's hard. We got a lot of hand-me-downs. And if I could go back, I probably would have said no to those, <laughs> to be honest. Mm-hmm. Hand-me-down clothes and hand-me-down toys and hand-me-down puzzles and hand-me-down board games. It seemed great because I'm very cheap um, and I don't want to buy it twice, but or at all, really, if I can avoid it. But it end, I ended up really paying in the fact that I had to now manage it, organize it, deal with it much of which they never played with. Yeah. Um, you, yep. You're speaking to me right now. I <laughs> have a daughter who is five and um, she loves to create piles of things. It's so funny as you're talking about that, I'm like, yeah, she does. And, and she does it in her own kind of organized way, but there'll be like little setups all throughout the house. <laughs> and so you're right that when there's less inventory, it makes it easier for her to clean up because you know, I get overwhelmed when I have too much to clean up in the kitchen. So of course her little five-year-old self gets overwhelmed too. So that's just super practical page. 
And then just any last bit of wisdom you want to leave our listeners with regarding just their spiritual revival and how they can lean into the Lord today to revive their spirit. Because I think a lot of moms, we feel weary. I know I do. Mm, I'm physically tired, (laughs) but I would say I'm emotionally tired. I'm mentally tired. I I would say there's a bit of spiritual tiredness too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mm-hmm. hard to show up day after day to pray and read the Bible and you just feel weary at times. Um, and I think that's a normal part of life. So is there any Bible verse that you could leave us with and any just last bit of encouragement and wisdom um, from a mom that, you know, has maybe a little bit older kids than, you know, than me and then maybe some of the listeners, just how can you encourage the moms today? Well, first I would say um, my favorite verse that I actually have it on my desk is nothing can separate us from the love of God, um, Romans 8, 39. Mm-hmm. And so if you haven't opened your Bible in years, if you haven't been to Mass in a long time, if you haven't been to confession since the First Communion, if you, or, if you, or if you've just left religion altogether, no matter where you are, nothing can separate you from the love of God. And God is, you know, I was just listening to something about the prodigal son this morning. I mean, God's face and embrace for you when you return is more than you can possibly imagine. He's not calculating the things you've missed. You may be, but he's not. And this book and this project for me was really for someone who has left and has, and is, doesn't have the energy or desire to, or, or, or doesn't on their spiritual path, they don't even know where they are because that's where I was. And it's really okay. And it's really okay. And I think it begins with the tiniest little step. Like I think about the mustard seed of faith, the mustard seed. I think about the tiniest little action um, is is the is the first step on a spiritual life. And I, you know, in my life, that has certainly been true. These tiny little actions, these tiny little steps. Um, it doesn't have to be sit and read, at, you know, by candlelight an hour of the Bible every day. You may get there because you want to be. I'm there because I want to be, and it's not a full hour. I wish it was, um, but that's because I'm hungry for it, and I I've just been turned on by it. But I think. If you're not there, that's okay. Don't ever spend yourself like don't compare yourself in the spiritual life. That's great for sports and other things, but in, in the spiritual life, there's no comparison. Um, and I think it, it, you know, tuning into God and, and hearing where you want to be led, like whether it is a certain prayer ritual, whether it is scripture, whether it is a, a daily mass or a certain uh, a, a spiritual book. I mean, I think we can't do it all. So making a choice and really asking for God for the willingness to take an action and then really to be led. I, I do think we get those answers. Um, if yeah. I, I do. I agree, Paige. That's really wonderful and practical advice. And can you just close us in a prayer over just all of us who are seeking this spiritual revival? Absolutely. Well, I'll just say in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, dear Lord, thank you for giving me this chance to speak, this unbelievable gift you've given me to um, to know you and to see you and to be in this room with all of these women and with Stephanie. And Lord, please reach into the hearts of anyone listening who feels um, discouraged and tired. Please lift them up, Lord. Mothers need fortitude, Lord. We know that you know this. We know that your mother knew this. We ask, Lord, for fortitude for these women that they can um, reflect the love of your love, your perfect love to their children and to their husband and to the world around them um, in a way that nobody else can. Mothers can do this in a way nobody else can. And we thank you for, Lord, for for motherhood and the gift of service. Um, And and with that, I'll just say um, amen. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to Mom's Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today, friend. I'm so grateful for you. Let's connect on my email list. Go to bit.ly forward slash monthly happy mail and we can be email besties. What do you think? Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for being here. Have a joy-filled day. Bye for now. Bye for now.